0: Welcome to Pursuing Biblical Masculinity, a podcast where we explore God's Word to uncover the disciplines we need to live out our faith. Our heart is to help men not just know Scripture, but to be able to put it into practice so that they can stand firm in their faith. So whether you're a longtime believer looking to grow deeper in your relationship with God, or maybe you're new to the faith and you want to build a foundation on biblical truths, you're in the right place. In these weekly short episodes, we look at practical ways to apply the truths of the Bible to ourselves, to our relationships, and to our work. So today we're continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount, and we are in the Beatitudes. And we're going to be looking at the second of the eight Beatitudes. And it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So with this statement, Jesus is affirming what was said in Ecclesiastes 7, 2. And it says, It's better to go to the house of the mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind. In the living will lay it to heart. Death is a realization for us all. There's nobody here that is going to get out alive. Uh, and mourning is a natural response to death. Now our world today doesn't like to think about death. They want to enjoy life to the fullest and get the most out of life. And they'll do anything they can to avoid the inevitable. But as we see in Ecclesiastes 7.2, that the wise understand the power and the importance of mourning because it gives you a right view of eternity. The realization of our own mortality and the gravity of our sins in comparison to that should result in us running to the Father for comfort. It should drive us back to Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. The only reason we experience death is because of sin. Without sin, this world was perfect. But once sin came in, the consequence was death. And when our eyes are open to that truth, our right response should be mourning. It should drive us into a state of mourning. James chapter 4 verses 9 through 10 say, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now that sounds pretty depressing, right? But he finishes it up in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Very similar to the the beatitude we talked about last week. This one, it's, it's all about dying to ourselves. It's all about letting ourselves go and having the right view of eternity and realizing the only path to eternity is through Christ. And allowing Christ to exalt us, allowing Christ to save us, because in our sin we are dead. And we can contrast this with with how the world reacts. And Isaiah gives us this picture in a portion of Isaiah 22:13, the second half of the of the verse. And he's talking about Israel here and how they've really forgotten God, and their their idea now or their their worldview is, "Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die." Now the result of that belief is fatalism. It doesn't really matter, so let's just have as much fun as we can today. There's zero hope in eternity, there's zero hope in this life, and you're just existing for the next party, knowing that one day you'll die. I mean, what's the point of a life like that? You see, as believers, we realize that there is hope, even in the midst of mourning. Now this doesn't mean it's always gonna feel good. In fact, a lot of time, mourning feels horrible. Most of the time, it hurts really bad. We lose loved ones. We lose people we care about, some who are believers, and we can rejoice that we'll see them again, but it still hurts now, and others that aren't, and and we can mourn even more because we know what that, that ends in. And that separation creates hurt. But, as believers, we can run to the only one who can comfort us our Father in heaven who loves us. And a lot of times for men, it's harder for us to show our emotions. You know, we gotta suck it up. We gotta be tough. But the reality is we need to mourn. We need to understand and grasp the depths and the seriousness of sin, myself included, and realize that we have to drop to our knees before our God and understand our depravity and seek Him only for comfort. And the reality is the world's gonna mock us because the world hates what we believe but we have to fix our eyes on jesus jesus says in john 16 verse 20 truly truly i say to you you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice jesus begins to foreshadow this kind of mourning and grief before he goes to the cross he says in john 16:20, truly truly i say to you you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn to joy He's speaking to his disciples here that the world will rejoice that they've killed the savior that the the disciples as a result will, will mourn because they know that it was sin that drove jesus to the cross but that their sorrow would be temporary because it will turn to joy and as members of the church we're not supposed to mourn alone we're not supposed to go in our corner shut our door and be by ourselves now there is a time for us to process alone but we also have to be humble and allow others to come and comfort us and allow God to use others to comfort us. It's very easy in times, especially when we're looking at our own sins or we're mourning the loss of somebody to to kind of block people out. But a lot of time the Father brings comfort through others. Uh, and this is very hard for me to say because I'm one that doesn't necessarily always want that. But I've seen God do it in my life. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.7, Our hope for you is unshaken for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul's aligning with the Corinthian church here. We know the Corinthian church had a number of issues. Um, and he's saying that we share in your sufferings and we share in your, your comfort. As we walk with you through your mourning, we'll also walk with you through the joy. Sin brings suffering. Sin causes us to mourn. And it's not always just our sin. Our sin definitely does that. Sometimes it's the sins that are committed against us. Sin is what is wrong with this world, and we have to deal with it and its effects until Christ comes. But in the meantime, we are called to fix our eyes on eternal things while we mourn with our sin. We must stand with our brothers as they mourn and allow others to stand with us as we mourn. The world is going to focus on the pleasures of today, but we have to set our eyes and our hearts on the pleasures of eternity. You see, it doesn't end with just mourning in pain, and then one day, you know, hopefully everything will be better. We know that it will be better. We know that when Christ comes back and restores all things, and we have a new heaven and a new earth, that there will no longer be sin. It says this in Revelation 21, verse 4 that He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. Christ will fully redeem everything. And we will forever be in a place where we don't have to experience mourning. But today, be blessed as you mourn. Because your promised comfort, as you look at the realities of sin, and as it breaks your heart for what's going on, and it pushes you closer to the Father, that is the power of mourning. And that is why it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." So let's talk a little bit about application. The first question is this, do you mourn your sin and why or why not? The second one is, what temporary pleasures do you allow to distract you from mourning? And the last one is really two questions. It says, how can you come alongside your brothers in Christ as they mourn? And how can you allow them to come alongside you? Life's hard. Reality is, is, is things don't always go the way we want them to. And we have to experience a lot of ups and downs, but we're not meant to do it alone we're actually called to walk alongside each other as we advance the kingdom of God. And this is where coaching can be really helpful. It's having somebody with another perspective that can sit down and talk with you, help you figure out where you want to move forward in your life, and help you co-create a plan to get there and hold you accountable. If you're interested in learning more about Christian life coaching, contact me at reformation.coach.